Hello and welcome back to the Style Stories podcast. I'm your host, personal stylist Lisa Gilby, and this is a podcast that discusses everything to do with style, image and fashion for those of us over 40. For anyone who's been listening to this podcast for a while, you'll know that I often talk about the importance of really understanding your authentic style. So this is all part of your identity, how you express yourself and how you feel in your clothes as well. You should wear things that really make you feel like yourself so you feel confident and then others pick up on that. And I often talk about how I don't understand how people think that style and image doesn't matter because it really does because it can totally change how you feel. It can really give you a boost to your self-esteem. It can help you to be more productive. It can help you to get places faster. It can help you to get jobs, all sorts of things. So it's really, really important. I thought, well, you know, I'm a personal stylist and it's all very well me saying this because obviously that's you know, that's how I work and I want people to be interested in their image and that's how I make my living and that's what I'm passionate about. But I'm not a psychologist, so I really wanted to ask a proper psychologist onto the podcast to talk about this topic and how important it is. And I was very lucky to have Susie Ballantyne come on and join me for a discussion around identity and being your authentic self and she is a social psychologist and she has been researching identity for the past 20 years so she's absolutely perfect I was so happy to have her this is a really interesting discussion I hope you enjoy it So welcome and thank you so much for joining me, Susie. I've got Susie Ballantyne joining me. She's a psychologist on the podcast this week. And the reason I asked her to join me was because I always talk about the importance of being authentically yourself when it comes to your style. And, you know, just really getting a clear understanding of the style personality that you have. So then it cuts out all the vast choice in the shops and you can really hone in on what suits you but I'm really interested in the whole conversation around identity and being authentic anyway and I thought this time I'm going to ask a proper psychologist on to just really talk through why this is so important and you know everyone's talking about being your authentic self at the moment as well so welcome Susie thank you so much for joining me thank you no thanks very much for having me I wonder if you could just uh, give me a bit of background about yourself because I know you specialize in the identity area as well yeah, yeah. So I'm a, I'm a social psychologist. Psychologists come in all different shapes and sizes. Um, and so my interest is in our psychology as it relates to our social world, which is why, you know, this question of what we wear and how we communicate who we are um, is of real interest. Specifically, I'm really interested in our social identity. So I do most of my research in the area of social identity, which is effectively our understanding of who we are because of the groups we belong to, the way we categorize ourselves, the way we, the context and culture we live in. So it's all how all those influences are sort of make up who we are, our sort of sense of self. Um, I'm a researcher at Sussex University, so I'm currently doing my doctoral studies at Sussex, um, but I'm also, um, a, I work as a psychologist consultant um, in uh, government research, and also I do um, private one-to-one coaching around identity change and managing identity change to support resilience and well-being. So lots of various things, as well as being a mother of two um, and so busy yeah. life, lots of homeschooling mixed in there too. <laughs> I mean, yes, yeah, exactly. I was just saying how I've been writing an essay before coming on here with my son, all homeschooling here in the UK again. Um, so 
something that really I think people, like you said, we fall into these kind of roles throughout life. So, you know, you, you one of the roles is that we're a mother, we're mothers. Yeah. And you, know, you have to sort of be practical in what you wear when you're a mum, running around when they're babies, obviously they're going to, you know, be sick on you and all that kind of stuff. You know, just you need a practical wardrobe. So yeah. what we wear is definitely affected by our roles and what we need our wardrobe to do for us. But that can make you feel lost, which is, you know, and then you lose your sense of self. And that's that's really what I really wanted to talk about, you know, when it when it relates to style, but also, you know, as you get older, I think yeah, you can feel lost as well. Absolutely. And, um, you know, a big part of, uh, you know, our identity changes throughout our life. People, and I think sometimes when we talk about this quest for the authentic self, it actually can sometimes create quite a lot of pressure because people think, what is it? I must know it. And actually at about the age of 40 uh, is when most people are finding that they have gone through big life transitions, um, whether that's through work or becoming a parent or losing parents, you know, lots going on at that time in life. Um, and actually there's a lot of confusion and uncertainty about who I am. Who am I at this age? How am I different from how I was before? And, and what am I turning into? And that period of life, um, when people then say, be your authentic self, is hard because people say, I don't know what that is anymore. I'm really lost. And I'm really also at the mercy of all these other voices and narratives around me telling me what I should or shouldn't be, what I can and can no longer wear. Um, and you know that's that means that it's actually a very stressful and tricky time to navigate that particular part of our of our journey. So yeah, it's it's a sort of really important part of our life from a point of view of our well-being and our our general happiness because we're right at that crunch point. Well, I mean that's that's exactly one of the reasons I started this podcast in the first place was because I was fed up of reading in articles everywhere and it's still everywhere now actually it's quite amusing to google what shouldn't you wear over 40 because the thing that there's so many rules of what you apparently you have to you're not able to wear anymore you have to sort of blend into the background when actually the more important thing is to really you know in a way you could you should be more confident because you should be more rooted yeah absolutely in, in who you are yeah and it's, you know, you sort of touched on it at the beginning. It's this, you know, your personal style is, it's a mixture of all your influences that you've yeah, had. Absolutely. And it's really, you know, I think we, we tend to, traditionally, we tended to think that people are sort of um, not one dimensional, but that we have a very clear persona and characteristic that remains the same throughout life in different contexts. But you know, we know from the research that we've, we've actually multiple selves, you know, we have, we're rather like people who, you know, right, for those who can remember, if we were, you know, talking to women over the age of 40, Mr. Ben would go into the changing room and change his outfits and have a different adventure and a different story. And in many ways, our life is like that, you know, we put on the clothes that we're going to be homeschooling in, uh, that will probably not be the ones that you want to wear when you're also out meeting you know your friends and having a drink which again are going to be different from the ones when you're in the workplace which might be again different ones from when you're going on holiday or when you're standing up giving a presentation and so all those different places all those different social scenes um influence us in different ways and we're also communicating different parts of who we are so different parts of us come to the fore in those different spaces and that's not i think people sometimes confuse that with being inauthentic um, but actually it's not, it's actually an expression of the fact that we are 
multiple selves. We have lots of different aspects to our identity. We're a composite of all those wonderful influences that make us who, are, who we are. But sometimes that can also be quite confusing. You know, it can be quite overwhelming to think, which one's really me? Well, actually, we're all those things and we should celebrate that. So you can curate, I mean, yeah, because you can, you know, to an extent, I curate my own image because I, I was, I knew I was going on, well, not to an extent, I really do. I was going on this Facebook Live, I had this other dress on before, and I just didn't feel that it looked stylist enough, you right. know. So I ran upstairs and I had like literally two minutes and I just changed into the nicest dress I could find that I knew would look good on camera because I want to curate my image. Yeah. Um, you know, and curated is, you know, curating, like you say, how can it be inauthentic? Because it's still, I'm now projecting the image I want to project. Yeah. Yeah. You're communicating with your audience through that filter of your clothes. That's what clothes are. They're, a, they're like a filter between you and the outside world. Um, you know, they, they, they play an important part in allowing people to understand, hang on, when I'm talking to Lisa in this context, am I talking to Lisa the stylist, Lisa the mum, Lisa the wife, you know, and, and that helps us oil the sort of machinery of social life. So we also use those cues to tell us what might we talk about? Well, we're going to talk about style because all the cues are telling us that this is a conversation about style. If we were tramping through the woods in welly boots and barber jackets and walking dogs like the different scene is different again and different identities would be at play so we use our clothes to signal and to symbolize who we are at any one moment in time and make us feel a certain way as well so you know there's all those studies aren't there about when people um put on doctor's coats yeah i think yeah. they've suddenly become more yeah. professional or people sort of take them seriously or if someone's got um what are those jackets called the, the luminous jackets i don't know what they're called the high-vis jackets high-vis that yeah. official people wear and immediately they've just got this officiality about them yeah 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 absolutely and, and it's trust and then you trust them yeah you know but this this is what i talk about a lot on the podcast which i wanted to uh, dive into with you which is about the no like and trust you know factor and how because some people say getting dressed, dressing well is frivolous. It doesn't mean anything, you know, it's materialistic, it's shallow, mm. right? Mm. It's all those things. Whereas I do not see it like that in any way because for me, clothes are a tool. They are my armor. Mm -hmm. They are my, if I, you know, it, I kind of in a way hide behind them, I guess, because I'm curating something I want you to see, but it is the, it's the non-verbal communication. and. If it is shallow, I'm sorry, but putting on a nice dress makes me feel happy. Yeah. yeah. Well, people, I mean, people will have the different motivations for what, why they dress the way they do. Um, and that feedback is really important. And as you say, there's some amazing, you know, what, it's sort of in, it, to use a bit of sort of technical language, it's called enclosed um, cognition. Like we're literally wrapping up our thoughts in clothes. And depending on what we choose to wrap ourselves in will influence our thoughts about ourselves. So, you know, if you put on the white lab coat, the research suggests that you think with more clarity and authority. There's a great study of putting people in superhero t-shirts and they actually rated themselves to be more superior better and more likable than other people who weren't wearing superhero t-shirts um, and you know just that filter isn't just saying something to the outside world and people around you it's also saying something to yourself changes the way we think about ourselves maybe accentuates certain parts of our personality and plays down others so you know there's a constant sort of fluid movement of what we're choosing to wear and when and why um, and I think the, the the tricky bit is is that 
we tend to think we have a lot of control over that you know that we there's a lot of agency i choose what i wear i choose what i express this is my identity but as you mentioned earlier we're still at the mercy of quite a lot of rules of societal expectations of cultural practices that also tell us what we should or shouldn't be wearing and so that can be you know that can be really really difficult and can lead to some problems where the two sort of clash you know i want to be like this but at the same time i can't because my workplace or my boss or my culture is telling me that I'm not allowed to express it in that way and I must conform to other people's expectations. Yeah because that means you can't be authentically yourself because you're feeling limited aren't you? You That is so limiting to have those kind of pressures on you. Yeah. Um, then you you know if you if you are sort of naturally inherently your style is quite avant-garde for example but you, yeah. you really you beige yourself down you dull yourself down. Yeah. In order and to fit in yeah, exactly and I think you know where people say oh it's frivolous or silly to think about what you're wearing quite often it's because you know the fashion the, the height the fashion industry is by and large focused on youth you know it's it the fashion industry is make you know it's changing slightly now but by and large it makes its money probably on people under the age of 50 traditionally and it you know it it also presents its clothing although I think again big organizations are starting to try and change that through diversifying their models and using you know not just on the basis of you know using um women of color in their ads and and but they're also using older women as well yeah. but you know it, until there is more money to be found in in the market of you know dressing people over the age of 40 the fashion industry at high fashion isn't going to be that concern so people see fashion increasingly as something that's moving into the distance for them and they're moving away from and they're becoming more invisible I mean a lot of the research shows that there's there's just not much there we don't know much about how women feel about fashion because people haven't asked the question because they haven't thought it's important but actually it is really important to many people and how they feel lost or overlooked or neglected is a really important part of our mental health and well-being as well and so there's important questions around that um, wearing beige when you're older is is almost choosing colors that make you not stand out not get attention to just fade into the background and i think that's really sad because i can't remember who wrote the poem now about when i'm old i'll wear purple <laughs> you know that wonderful juice i can't remember her name now but you know, just that idea that, well, I will defy convention a bit. I will resist what people expect me to wear and I will wear bright colours and I will do those things. And it tells you a lot about actually the lot of pressure that people are under to conform to other people's expectations. Well, exactly. And that, that's what really holds you back, isn't it? I mean, I do. I mean, I'm sort of motoring towards 50 myself and I've got this little voice inside my head saying you're over the hill after that. You're kind of. You know, I, and that's because of all the messages yeah. I have been fed throughout my life. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, subconsciously. Yeah. And it's hard. To, I mean, you have to be a tough cookie to kind of, you know, yeah, put out there and, and ignore all these messages yeah. completely. Yeah. Well, we we live in a culture which values youth and health and vitality and sexuality, and you know, so the fashion industry naturally gravitates towards that. And when you're older and, you know, you might have health issues or mobility issues, you know, you feel like there's a disconnect and it, and it comes down to identity. The, the fashion industry, you know, tries to get the attention of certain identity groups and increasingly with age, we feel that we're not 
part of that group anymore. We're part of a different group, a separate group who shouldn't be allowed in. We somehow have lost our membership and the velvet rope has been <laughs> clicked back on and we're on the other side of it. And we're suddenly thinking, hang on, <laughs> why? <laughs> and that's, that is, you know, more acute for women than men. You only have to look at female news um, anchors and journalists and some of the struggles they've had. Uh, thankfully, that's now changing, but it's still there. Uh, in oh, the yeah. value you have to society as deemed by the culture that you live in. Exactly. And I mean, this is this is going now into bias, isn't it? I mean, this this is a really interesting topic, um, you know, and also something that I mentioned quite a lot. So, you know, it's that sort of unconscious bias. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that is so powerful. I just wanted to get your sort of yeah. on that, but just, you know, and how you, the nonverbal communication side of what you wear, which is why clothes are really powerful. Yeah, because you're, you're communicating with them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, there's a, there's a lot of interesting research that looks at uh, things called like thin slicing, where you effectively, you know, it's first impressions, effectively, the first sort of five minutes, you can fairly accurately gauge somebody in terms of what they're like, and probably some of the key personality traits they might have um, from the not, you know, well, the, some many of the verbal, you know, we use tone of voice and what they're talking about, but we use a lot of nonverbal cues around you know, what they look like, uh, what clothes they choose to wear, and, and we read them, you know, like a, like a symbol, you know. Yeah, absolutely. We sort of look at what they're wearing and we interpret their clothes as signs uh, that only make sense within our certain cultural context. So it might not work if you're, you know, off in, you know, other continents, but certainly we have our own sort of codes of practice about, well, people from this class or people from this part of the country or women or men wear X, Y, and Z. And we are constantly interpreting the person in front of us. And we do that very rapidly. And we do form very quick, um, quite judgmental uh, views. And, and, you know, again, research bears it out that even the smallest change in our physical appearance, you know, a woman wearing a slightly shorter skirt, still still at the knee, but slightly shorter, can lead to quite derogatory judgments if they're senior leaders in organisations from men. Um, and, and, you know, the, the interpretation will be, well, it's a little provocative. You know, their skirt isn't below their knee, it's at their knee. It's a shorter skirt. So, or the button is slightly undone on their blouse and it will be seen as wrong. <laughs> it will be seen as not of the identity of what we expect of senior females in organizations and so you know all of those sort of undercurrents and expectations are operating um, and what we wear is a very quick way for people to make those judgments about us um, which is you know quite soul destroying at one level um, because you think geez oh I don't have a chance you know what am I gonna have to just like you know wear a high collar and and a trouser suit and you know and I think that's where it's also become problematic because then people and women in particular feel they have to conform to some male um, uh, rule book about Imagine, yeah. And you know, so I think it's I think it's great when you see role models who can express who they are in a very feminine or otherwise form, you know, whichever one they feel is is right for them, uh, and and wear those things with pride and say. It is not about, you know, my clothes are an expression, but there is far more to me um, than that. But, you know, psychologically, we make quick first impressions. Um, our clothing primes people's expectations of who we are and who we're likely to be. Um, and our clothes are sort of signs of which group we want to belong to. You know, you, and I, I was listening to one of your video, videos earlier, you were talking about being, were you a goth? What were you, you were saying you were something in the past? Yeah, I was like grungy. 
I was Grungy, sorry, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so, so yeah, grungy, which, you know, is different from goth. I mean, these identity groups are really important, yeah. but, you know, they, they are, they are ways for us to say, I belong to that group, you know, Bowden, it's like an identity group, isn't it? It's like, you can spot a Bowden parent or a Bowden child because they're conforming to that lifestyle, that whole value system that we believe our people who wear Bowden or whoever, whatever labels, we're also buying into the value system that that brand has been constructed to sort of appeal to. Yeah, I mean, I attach, yeah, so Bowdoin for me is very country, not, yeah. very, not very city, and then sea salt brands like that are quite yeah. um, new forest. You know, it's sort of, it, it, you do attach these kinds of thoughts yeah. to things. And, yeah. and it's, you know, people would say, well, this is wrong. This is, you know, you should be, don't judge a book by its cover. You should go to wear what you like and people shouldn't judge you. You know, it should be, is she good at the job? Full yeah. stop. Yeah. Can she do the job? Doesn't matter what you look like, but that, I yeah. think it's naive. Well, really. I think, yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're talking about making a good first impression, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and having a good first impression, you need to think about, you know, the whole thing. You know, you need to think about, how not what you know what you sound like what you're going to say what your opening words are going to be what you're going to wear um because people will make those judgments you know we do and also what we put on does prime our own thinking that's what the whole sort of galinsky work this like white lab coat wearing a superhero t-shirt you know what we put on feeds back and influences our own belief about ourselves and our own mood and our own values and so that can be quite powerful you know so if you do want to go for a job interview and feel like you own the room or you can certainly hold your own in that conversation you know choosing an item of clothing that gives you that confidence you know choosing that jacket or wearing that particular piece of jewelry or you know wearing your hair in a particular way all of these things are really important not just because they're projecting outwards a particular identity but they're also changing the way we think about ourselves it's rather like being on stage and going to the dressing up box and you know, pulling out something because you're going to be that person today. And that's not inauthentic. That's a, that reflects the fact we have many things to many people. Yeah, I mean, I like the Mr. Ben reference as well. I used to love that show. Yeah, so Mr. Ben, I feel nostalgic about that. <laughs> like, like you say, yeah, the, 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 um, as well, women had to dress like men years ago, didn't they, to be yeah. taken seriously in the workplace, hilariously, yeah. like with their Thomas Pink shirt, two-piece suit, cufflinks, yeah, you know, no one was allowed to be feminine. Yeah, that's definitely changed. Yeah. I really, yeah. It's a uniform. Yeah. It was absolutely uniform. Yeah. That has definitely changed, though. Yeah. I think you know that is becoming. But it, it's whether the the woman who is wearing that dress feels, you know, it's her perception of herself as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. she might feel a bit exposed by wearing. You know, you, that's a mindset thing. It definitely. is, but it's it's an important question. I think when we're looking at big questions in organisations in the world like equality and diversity and inclusion, you know, if you're expecting everyone to conform to a particular type of uniform, and we know that what people are wearing are influencing their thoughts and values, then that person is also conforming to practices and beliefs and behaviours of that group or organisation. So, you know, if somebody's got quite out of the box ideas and thoughts and beliefs and values that actually would be really good for your business but you insist on them conforming to type and then you worry about why there's not greater diversity in your organization well maybe opening up and letting people be more have more expression through what they wear would also empower them slightly to bring some of those ideas to the table 
So there's always a balance. Organisations like to have a bit of control over what their staff wear and put them in uniforms and make sure there's a sense of organisational consistency. You know, are people look like this or dress like this? And if you work for McDonald's or something, maybe that's very important. But I would question the role it plays in workplaces where you want people to bring their whole selves and their creativity and their different perspective to work. And yet you expect them to wear something where they don't feel like that's them because <laughs> it's going to close them down. Absolutely, 100%. I mean, this, this is why being your authentic self is so powerful. Mm. And this, uh, the colour analysis system, so Colour Me Beautiful, yeah, came yeah. over 25 years, maybe it's longer, than that, probably 35 years ago or something. It started off with this artist noticing that when he let his students pick the colour of paint that they would work with, they just did much better work. So when they were told, you know, you need to paint this painting in these colours and blah, blah, you know, they it basically shut them down on some level. Mm -hmm. um, but when they were able to choose the colours that they were naturally drawn to and aligned with, with their inherent selves, then they did this brilliant work. And that's really what it is mm -hmm. with the clothing thing, isn't it? To feel yeah. comfortable like yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to feel... You know, it's hard because people are always worried about what other people think, you know, and people yeah, are worried if my if what I wear is an expression of who I am, um, what if people don't like what I wear? Does that then mean that they don't like me? And that the rejection of my choice of clothing is a rejection of me and my identity. And that can make people feel quite vulnerable. And so, you know, when you talk about dressing as armor, I think quite often people do that. They'll <laughs> wear something that they feel will protect them from the judgment of other people or they're not ready to share that aspect of their identity out there because they're worried about the judgment it might have or how they might feel because you know our identity is a huge part of our self-esteem and our self-worth and we want to protect that and so we can use our clothes as a sort of filter to the outside world to try and express it but also protect it you know and I think I think that's a really great thing about clothes and style and what we choose it allows us to have that ability to do it and I really notice and in fact, especially probably since, you know, talking to you about this topic before, you know, what am I choosing today and why, you know, why am I putting those on? Why do I, why would I make myself, why would I choose something a little bit special today? You know, how's it affecting me? And I certainly know if a day is going to be pretty challenging, it is quite nice to put on your favourite sweater or a squirt of your best perfume or put on that piece of really important jewellery, because actually it can give you a sense of, you know, sort of positive self-regard because it's expressing something about you that you may feel just needs to be shored up and, and protected or or nurtured a little bit more um that can be really healthy especially when you're in lockdown and you're feeling like it's you know day after day it's the same thing happening shall I just stick on that you know top and jeans again um so you know I think it's there's a great versatility and opportunity to dress up just you know when my children go to the dressing up box I love it when they pull out mad clothing and odd hats and, and watch what they're doing yeah creating create just yeah. going for it and not caring Absolutely. about the rules that, that yeah. our society have put yeah. in place and whether someone's gonna if you're gonna fit in if you if you go to, out to a pub or you do a presentation or whatever what you're wearing are you gonna look yeah. right yeah you know? exactly and mixing it up I remember my daughter put on a um a pink barbie sort of short skirt over the top of the my son's batman doll <laughs> And it was just the best thing. I wish I had it in the room, actually. But it was just, it was brilliant. It was just like, why not mix all this? Unexpected, up? but why not? Because yeah. the unexpected combos are usually really good. I mean, personally, in lockdown, I've been, I've still been getting quite dressed up because it's been 
that gets me through, you know, and if you do wear jogging bottoms and a grey top every single day and don't do your hair and don't do your makeup, then you start to feel drab and you start to feel, yeah. I think it drags down your mood. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, that's, and that's the thing. It's really, you know, it's a very personal thing. People will feel differently about their relationships with clothes and style and what they, what they need and what they don't need. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's, it's important, I guess, to not generalize that everyone feels the same way about clothes uh, or hair or makeup that some people are perfectly happy to not give it a second thought and it doesn't influence them that much um but also fundamentally we are all social animals you know we we go around the world looking and watching and reading each other to give us a sense of who people are and what they might be about um and i think that's that's really fascinating um and there are really powerful rules out there rules about what you can and can't do. And I think, you know, clothes are actually one way of being able to resist that. I love it when you see somebody who is, you know, older, who just wears something really interesting and different and really says something about who they are. And it just, it's, I think it's really empowering, especially if it's a woman. But, you know, if you see a dapper gentleman with his pocket square and, you know, it's just, it's like, it's like, that's wonderful, quite right. Yeah. I love that. I love Iris Apfel on Instagram. So she's 99 now. And right. she, she's a real style icon. She's out there. I mean, I wouldn't wear anything she wears because it's too yeah. wacky for me. But she looks amazing and I love yeah. following her. But I mean, it's just like you say, this is, you know, the human level stuff. So I always thought that it was the, the um, bias thing and reading people was like a safety thing from back when we were at the cavemen even, and we were just sort of assessing, are we safe in this environment? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, that's where it comes from. So it's inherently in us. Oh, yeah, we make very quick, often, first of all, emotional and then cognitive judgments. So, you know, we're, we're always, yeah. you know, we're, we're always effectively at some level in, in a sort of surveillance mode where we're just kind of like, what's going on? Am I safe? Is there anything I need to worry about here? Um, you know, uh, and then, you know, in traditional terms, we'd be looking for that tiger that's about to spring out of the bushes and attack us. And then we go into fight or flight mode. Um, but we are, you know, we can only survive by reading the world in which we live and the people who are in it and the signs and symbols. And we're constantly taking that and interpreting it and forming an understanding. We have to, otherwise we can't get by day to day. And so, you know, on the basis that we're not all running around naked and we, you know, clothe ourselves every day, we are wearing a different message every day. You know, we're, we're communicating every day, we're expressing every day something about who we are. And that can change depending on where we're in and whether it's work or home or school or wherever else. Um, but it's really interesting and really important. And I think when it comes to seeing how that can control people's behavior in organizations or in society, it becomes a really important question because then it comes about, well, who who's telling you what you can and can't do and is that right yeah and, I mean we need to challenge that I mean it's great I understand with you know people should go to where they want to work because it then you know brings out their creativity and all of that but of course then the company wants people to be on brand mm. and so, you know for some people they don't know how you know they maybe go too casual so it's quite difficult isn't it to sort of yeah. to get yeah. it right but if they had a bit of a code yeah you yeah. know then it would be better. And I, I know a lot of companies are going smart casual now as well. They're mm. moving away from that uniform thing. But I, I noticed recently just um, when I, because I look at a lot of TED talks and, you know, the thing most commented on is what the person's wearing. Not much, quite often. 
Really? You know, this person has put themselves out there. They are delivering an amazing talk. They are putting their heart and soul into this. You know, yeah. they're giving you some real value. And it, it's, it, you know, you've Googled this, whatever. And then people are commenting on the dress was awful. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I mean, it's not right. You know, it's heartbreaking, isn't it, for the poor person who is, you know, just digested their life's work into 17 minutes at a TED talk. You know, but we do, you know, it is like a picture paints a thousand words. You know, we do very quickly visually take in a lot of information. Very, you know, if, if, we, if we're visually enabled people and we can see what's in front of us, we are, from the, from the moment we see it, we're, we're bringing that information in, we have an emotional and a cognitive response to it. So it's not just, we say, oh, look, there's Lisa and she's wearing a red dress. That red dress will have emotional tags for me that will go into the Rolodex of my memory and will pull out someone who probably looks a bit like you, maybe a dress I've seen like that, you know, or, or in a movie I've seen, you know, all of this, all of the memories and associations and sort of schemas we have, will come into play to help my interpretation of who you are for me. It might be different for someone else, but that's happening, you know, at a very automatic level um, without consciously realising it. I mean, sometimes that's why we have to be more mindful about our judgments and our, you know, very much so our biases to check in with them and say, okay, I recognise these are happening. That doesn't make it right or good. And it certainly doesn't make it right or good to act on them, but let's be realistic. They are happening. So, you know, let's just be aware of that and be sensitive to it. But at the same time, can we use that to our advantage if it's a case that we want to make a bold statement or we're going in to have a difficult conversation or we're having to meet an ex-partner or, you know, whatever it is, called in to see the head teacher to talk about our kids, you know, whatever the question is. Say, whatever, you know, whatever you're doing, then yeah, use it to your advantage, but that's the whole thing. It is yeah. Communicate on all levels, you know, you've got, you might have a strong and great voice, but you've also got all this other like uh, means to express yourself at your disposal why not use them so just to just finish i love all this it's so interesting but just to finish i just want to you know to actually to know who your authentic self is from a psychology point of view is that is that sort of values i mean i do it from a style perspective so that's the non-verbal communication but from the inside yeah what is that knowledge of your authentic who is it you know? well it's interesting isn't it because i think I don't think it is one thing you know I, I different psychologists will have slightly different views on this but as a social psychologist my view is that I, I am a composite of of who I who I have been growing up but all of the different social influences that that have it influenced me growing up and are present now you know so and and those are about my identity so I'm a sort of a mosaic if you like of all these different things which is a mother and a psychologist and a researcher and a wife and you know, my nationality, uh, and my ethnic background and the, and the experiences I've had, you know, so I'm, I'm this really, no one else is like me. I mean, this is why we are unique, you know, and maybe that's where the authenticity sits. It sits in the fact that I am this, I'd like to think, nice mosaic of all these influences. Sometimes, depending if I'm at work or whether I'm at home with my children, different parts will shine through more than others. But that's not my attempt to try and conceal part of me and reveal another part that's just part of the fact that we're really fluid and we flux and move depending on who we're with and what the context is um, and all those things are having an influence on you so it isn't something that just sits inside you it's it's something that is in the moment of all the different influences that are there at that time yes who you were and how you were brought up 
but also the conversation you're having in that moment, the room in which you're sitting, the politics that are going on at the time, the tensions, the culture, the language, they are creating us in that moment. And I think it's really exciting because it means a lot of change. And of course that means a lot of uncertainty, but it also means a lot of opportunity because we are quite a rich tapestry of all these different threads running through us. Um, so I think, you know, when I do my coaching work, I look at that sort of tapestry, if you like, and rather than trying to sort of get to the nub of who somebody is, this sense that there's some inherent unchanging bit of you, Lisa, I would look at you more as a sort of rich stream of lots of different influences and explore, well, what do they mean to you? And are they important? And are they serving a purpose in your life? Or are they getting in the way? Values, how do you, values. Yeah, how do you represent those different parts of you every day? And do you like that? Does it work for you? If not, why don't you change it? Because you do have the, you know, to some degree, and for some people, it's not true for all people, we have that ability to be able to control that. Um, and if we don't like the other controls on us, we can resist them and say, you know what, I'm going into that golf club and I'm not wearing a skirt or, you know, whatever it is that the rules dictate about what we should and shouldn't do. And I think when people start to do that, they change expectations. And I think that's really powerful as well. Yeah, and we evolve all the time as well, which is why I say to my clients to do the wardrobe edit, you know, times a year because you're not the same person that you no. were. And I think things can really hold us back because we tend to like to think that, you know, we've got to be this consistent self, you know, and somehow we're doing ourselves a disservice. And yes, it's important to our mental health to have a sense of consistency. You know, we don't like to think of ourselves as being radically different throughout our lives. We like there to be a nice sort of thread running through our story of our lives. And sometimes keeping that old leather jacket is a way of keeping part of that important identity alive. We might not wear it very often, maybe we don't wear it at all, but it's part of our story and that's fine. But at the same time, recognizing that it is changing and you, as a result of that, you've got the opportunity to recognize that change and become you know, what it is you want to be and discover something else, not just keep recovering back to what you once were, but discovering that actually whether you're turning 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, whatever, it's the beginning of a new chapter. Yeah, and you can change what you're wearing to reflect that. And you can, you know, if you've been not wearing fashion all your life, you can now wear it, but it doesn't matter. There's no age, no barrier. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's your, it's within your gift to, you know, every day, if you like, express a different part of who you are, whether it's putting on a different piece of jewelry or a different jacket, wearing makeup, not wearing makeup. You know, sometimes it's the absence of things that also expresses who we are, that's fine. You know, and sometimes actually not wearing makeup is a way of saying, this is this is me expressing a different part of who I am. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and, you know, so I think we've got, sometimes that can be quite empowering when we just decide to do it because it gives us the sense that we don't have to conform to everything else. We can just express who we are and have fun while we're doing it and know that actually if it's a positive thing, it's having a really nice virtuous impact on our beliefs about ourselves. And I think sometimes we can all do with that boost. <laughs> we all need a bit of a boost at the moment, definitely. Yeah. I, I'm hoping that after lockdown finishes, everyone's gonna go mad and really dress up. Thank you so much for coming on, Susan. That was amazing. You're very um, welcome.
Wow, I love that chat with Susie. I could have talked about so much more. We didn't even really scratch the surface. There's so much to talk about around that identity, how you express yourself, nonverbal communication. I mean, even how we dress our children in gender-specific clothing. There's loads and loads to talk about. So I'm going to invite Susie back on, hopefully, in the future. And we may host a Clubhouse soon as well. So if you're on Clubhouse go and follow me there and you can find some discussions I've got with various experts on there and if you would like to find your personal style you're unsure about it you would like my five-step process to find your personal style if you head to my website lisagilbystyleconsultancy.com and go to digital products and my ebook is on there that you can buy for £9.99 and that is my five steps to personal style or if you'd like to join my online course drop me an email lisa at lisagilbystyle.com. I'd love to hear from you and I'd love to hear if there's anything in particular you would like me to cover on this podcast and I will give you a shout out so do get in touch. Take care until next time. 